0: Welcome to Technology Transfer IP. Technology transfer is the process by which valuable research, skills, knowledge, and technology developed by educational institutions is transferred to industry for development into products and services that will benefit society. From basic patent licensing to promoting startups, entrepreneurship, and industry collaborations while also investing in and managing technology developments. We bring you conversations with the leaders in technology transfer, who will share their stories, including their successes, challenges, and expectations for the future. Here's your host,
1: Lisa Mueller. Hello and welcome to a very special episode of Technology Transfer IP. In this episode, we are going to talk about equity, diversity, and inclusion, also referred to as EDI, in the technology transfer sector. To help guide our discussion, we have assembled an esteemed panel of guests who have graciously agreed to share their knowledge and insights on this topic. Our panel today includes Tom Hockaday, Angie Miller, Natalie Cozier, Alicia Campbell, and Megan Anstuse. Tom Hockaday, he, him, his, is an author and leading expert in university technology transfer leadership, management, and operations. Tom led the technology transfer activities at the University of Oxford for 10 years from 2006 to 2016, having started at Oxford in 2000. Tom has over 30 years experience in this field. He is now an independent private consultant working with a number of clients in the university business collaboration and technology transfer sectors around the world. His book, University Technology Transfer, What It Is and How to Do It, was published by Johns Hopkins University Press in 2020. Dr. Angie Miller, she her hers is a senior business manager at LifeArc where she leads the Autumn Technology Transfer Training Fellowship Program. Dr. Miller has expertise in technology evaluation, exploitation, and translational funding, as well as strong commercial awareness and proven track record of contract negotiation, technology commercialization, and development of translational technologies. Dr. Natalie Cozier, she, her, hers, is the head of regional engagement for the Engineering and Physical Sciences Research Council, which is part of UK Research and Innovation. Dr. Cozier is an experienced leader in organizational development, partnerships building, and IPR asset management with a demonstrated history of working in the private and public sectors within the research and innovation industry. Dr. Almisha Campbell, she, her, hers, Currently serves as the Assistant Vice President for Research and Economic Development, slash Director for Technology Transfer and Commercialization at Jackson State University. Dr. Campbell provides support for the overall direction of the Division of Research and Economic Development and manages the intellectual property process from triage of invention disclosures to commercialization. Dr. Campbell provides strategic direction and vision for defining partnerships in research, commercialization, entrepreneurship and innovation initiatives between JSU and other institutions, funding agencies, and industry stakeholders. Dr. Megan Anstus, she, her, hers, is a licensing and new ventures manager for Kentucky Commercialization Ventures. In this role, Dr. Anstus is responsible for outreach and education on matters related to commercialization, along with assessing, managing, and licensing intellectual property developed at KCV Partner Institutions. Dr. Ansu's work allows her to pursue a lifelong passion, connecting people together to make it easier to obtain the technology needed to live the life they want. In addition to her work in Kentucky, Dr. Ansu also serves as the chair of the Autumn EDI Committee to help enhance inclusion within the technology transfer community. In fact, Dr. Ansu received the 2021 Autumn Volunteer of the Year Award for her work on Autumn's EDI Committee. Dr. Anne Seuss also represents the EDI committee on Autumn's cabinet and serves as the co-program chair for Autumn's central regional meeting. And with those very impressive backgrounds, let's go ahead and get started talking about EDI and tech transfer. So when beginning any conversation on EDI, the first question is how and where to start the conversation. So, Tom, today I wanted to start by asking you about the article you wrote entitled "The Whiteboard" that you posted on your website, Tech Transfer Innovation, in February of this year. Can you tell us what this article
2: was about? Yes, I- indeed, and, and hello, Lisa, and, and hello to everyone else on on the podcast, and hello to to all of the the listeners. Um, so, the the article is about racial diversity in the composition of boards um, and senior teams in tech transfer, universities, science, research funding groups in the UK. Um, And what I did was I, I looked at 48 groups, totaling 603 people, and noted that A small proportion of those, a surprisingly small proportion of those, uh, it struck me, uh, were people of colour. So of those 603 people, uh, 40 people of colour, that's 6.6%, and one compares that against a UK national population where... Uh, from the 2011 census, so 10 years out of date, but 2011 census, approximately 13% of the UK population are people of colour. So, you know, I, I've, I've looked at this and, and you know, the obvious conclusion is that this is not good. And so in the article, I talk about um, the, the data in quite a bit more detail in technology transfer, in government agencies, in Science, research funding, groups, etc. And there's a mixed pattern, but overall it adds up to being not very good. And um, another point about the 48 groups is that in 21 of them there are no people of colour. And so, you know, what the article does, it describes this, it describes the data, and then it talks quite a bit about. Uh, existing initiatives, existing groups um, who are looking into this, but primarily um, in the business worlds rather than the sort of research, uh, certainly not the tech transfer worlds. But it does make reference to some of the initiatives in tech transfer and some of the activities that uh, research funding groups in in the UK are doing. Um, And it concludes with a, a few areas to focus on. It'll help to talk about what we mean by technology transfer um and you know for the purposes of of this conversation, it's a very broad um inclusive uh, approach um, I mean the purpose of university technology transfer is to transfer university research results from the university out to businesses where the results are developed into new products and services that benefit society, so you know that's what we're talking about, but here We're taking a broad view, certainly inclusive of knowledge transfer, inclusive of knowledge exchange, and really the whole field of university business collaborations. And these words uh, and phrases are used different ways by different people. But when we are talking about technology transfer today, we're talking about it in a very broad sense.
1: So Tom, what motivated you to write this article
2: now? So the motivation um, starts Back in mid 2020, really, when I was asked to give a talk on measurement of tech transfer offices um, to a, a, a European group, and you know this is a topic that as tech transfer people we're we're thinking about and talking about a lot. So I I you know, began to think what is it that I I want to say to this group, and you know there was the usual stuff about the you know, the story so far in terms of the autumn licensing survey from the uh, 1980s onwards, the Hebke survey in the UK, the developments in the UK around impact and research excellence framework, and now in the UK, the knowledge exchange concordat, the knowledge exchange framework, etc. So, you know, I talked about what we measure and how we try to, to tell stories, but I wanted to, you know, I found myself thinking beyond that, which is that when you measure something. You want to measure it against what you care about. So what do we care about? Um, Thinking in terms of our audiences of researchers, um, governments, industry, investors, society. But then I was thinking, well, hang on, what do we really, really care about? Um, And that led me round uh, to the UN Sustainable Development Goals. Um, And I think the work that Times Higher Education are doing, looking at the impact, assessing the impact of universities against those UN SDGs is really interesting. Um, But I thought, you know, look at those United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, and um, they're a pretty good representation of what we care about as a society. So let's think about climate action. Well, what is technology transfer? If we're talking about measuring tech transfer, what is tech transfer doing? in the domain of climate action. What effect are our technologies having on reducing climate change, reducing um, carbon emissions, for example, and we don't really talk about that. And then you take um, gender equality. Well, what are we doing as a tech transfer community in, in any of our activities to improve gender equality? both within our offices where we probably are doing some things, but in terms of what we're doing outside in terms of tech transfer. And then I thought about racial inequality um, and the uh, UN SDG of number 10 of reduced inequalities, um, which is where racial inequality fits in, in their framework. And, you know, this is something I I care about. And I thought, what are we doing about this? We really care about it. We want to measure the effects of tech transfer, or what are we doing about something we really care about? Um, and that's what led me to, to, to look into this area. Um, and then a few months later, I was giving a talk to a group on sort of similar themes that I looked at the composition of the you know, governance groups and senior teams of this organization. And you know, I was genuinely surprised by the lack of people of color involved in that organization. So that's where I began then to look further and and further afield and found myself, you know, summing the the data from these 48 groups. And, um, you know, overall, 21 out of 48 having no people of color is not good. And 6.6% against a a national picture of 13% is is just not good. That's sort of one in 15 against one in eight, roughly. Um, And, you know, these issues really matter. Um And different people have different perspectives on on why it matters, but you know it, it matters because it 's wrong, but it also matters because um of the whole theme of of diversity improving performance, diversity and inclusion uh, improve uh, performance of organizations um and that 's why I think we that 's why I found myself writing the the, the article, and that 's why I think we 're finding ourselves talking about it today.
1: I think that's a good segue to ask Natalie about a recent article in The Observer, which stated that in 2018 and 19, 19.2 percent of science, technology, engineering and math academic staff aged 34 and under were Asian, while only 1.8 percent were black. Natalie, as a Ph.D. chemist, in your opinion, why are there still so few black scientists in the U.K.?
3: I think it's down to a number of factors. I think it could be and likely is to be down to opportunity and awareness. Opportunity in terms of being in the right position in the right time, um, being able to understand the scientific subject areas and being positioned to progress your career. I think there's a situation where there is a progression gateway in regards to going from undergraduate studies to postgraduate studies. And I think this is the primary factor, which is limiting the involvement and the inclusion of, of people of color, uh, whether they're black or Asian or other groups.
1: So is there something specific about academia and or tech transfer in the UK that you think makes it difficult for minorities to succeed? I think partly
3: it's down to it. It's a numbers game. When you move from, from the undergraduate and progress your career into postgraduate and in research and academia, um, the opportunities to be to progress your career is 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 generally smaller and slimmer. And with that being said, the decisions that are made and the funding that's available, largely, organisations tend to recruit to type. And one of the things that I know in terms of my previous experience was I was lucky enough to be supported and to work with in a group that was actually quite diverse. Um, but that doesn't actually represent. Entire uh, portfolio and the diversity of the sector and the opportunities that those of colour are provided.
1: So, Natalie, can you tell us what the tech transfer sector is doing in the UK to address issues of equity, diversity, and inclusion?
3: I think this is a challenge that the tech transfer, uh, as a sector, as a as a community, I think is a challenge that the sector should be looking at within itself. Um, And I think that was what inspired me and really made me feel quite proud to be part of this group and this discussion today is the fact that actually internally we're thinking about it ourselves and it's an opportunity to, to really push forward and, and drive inclusion and diversity and, and look at what we have, you know, we do have people of colour within the community, we do have a wide growth in terms of STEM and non-STEM based people working in the sector, it's just an opportunity to try and progress that further.
1: Now, can you tell us, are there any initiatives by the UK government to help address EDI in research and or tech transfer?
3: So this is a big problem that the UK government has recognised. There are a number of select committees that have looked and, and addressed. There is a number of reports that look at race and, and racial inclusion amongst different sectors, whether that's the police or science-based subjects. So there's a number of discussions in select committee Uh, initiatives that are happening right now within my own council itself so I work for the engineering and physical sciences and research council which is part of UK research and innovation there were a number of town hall meetings that happened last year in 2020 that talked about people's experiences in relation to uh, some of the protests that happened last year in relation to Black Lives Matter Um, that's ongoing there have been a number of surveys and activities that have gone out to Vice chancellors and presidents, as well as research groups and learned societies. I myself have been part of a research group with the Royal Society of Chemistry, looking at this exact same question. You know, initiatives to get more people in colour in terms of research and or tech transfer. Um, are there any specific initiatives into tech transfer? I'm not aware of them. But equality, diversity, inclusion is a, a big effort, and activity that's going right now, and there's a lot of work. On the ground and under the ground, looking at trying to really fix this societal problem.
1: Now, Angie, I wanted to ask you you've had a long career in tech transfer in the UK. What has it been like for you being one of the only few people of color working in this sector?
4: Yeah, it's been almost over 15 years since I left the lab as a molecular um, scientist to, to start my technology transfer career. It, it's, it's not been easy. It's been long, lonely, and at times very difficult, but I persevered. And I I think because of my my particular nature, I think it's one of the things that I just kept driving on. It it was very obvious that I stood out. I stood out in the lab as being like very few, one of the very few studying at that level and working at that level in the gene therapy space. But the thing is also um, entering technology transfer nothing had changed. If anything, it was, I stood out even more. I found that basically because it's a constant struggle, you just carried on and you just accepted that that was was the way it was. And this is the reason why Tom's article, when I saw that, it resonated so much because the thing is it really highlighted something that I, I constantly had seen, but also I realized hadn't changed in, in well over a decade, you know, the numbers, the stats reflected, and I'm surprised that the stats were so really, the numbers were so high in what Tom had found, actually, because it, it
1: just, nothing had changed and it wasn't really seen as a problem. Angie, what have you learned about EDI and tech transfer in the UK? You know, there
4: are, as, as Natalie has mentioned and, and Tom has, has highlighted, there are initiatives addressing EDI in other areas within the UK, EGI and technology transfer itself is not really being addressed and it's it's not an open discussion. And I think this is the issue. You have to recognise that there is a, an issue, but also have a look at the causes and then address it. So try to, you know, fix what is what is wrong. Why are the stats that way? Why are People of Black, Asian or other ethnicities not entering the sector or even staying long within the sector. And and, and until that happens, it's, you know, we're going to be constantly in the same situation. It's going to be the status quo as, as, as it is.
1: What would you say some of the differences are in terms of how EDI is handled by the tech transfer sector in the UK compared to the U.S.?
4: Um, working closely with a lot of um, initiatives in the U.S. and also the academic sector there. In the U.S., definitely the movement to address the issue is, is well ahead. It's, it's, an open di- it's an open discussion, you know, where, in, where steps have been taken. It's been celebrated. It's raised it. It's, it's open there on a the platform for others to see. Um, There are solutions being made. and, And I think that is the difference where in the UK, it needs to be an open discussion.
1: So, Megan, hearing this discussion to this point, what would you say are some of the differences in terms of how EDI is handled by the tech transfer sector in the U.S. compared to other countries? And also... Do you think that the U.S. tech transfer sector is doing a better job on EDI compared to other countries? And if so,
5: why? So, Lisa, I'll start by echoing what Angie said, which is I think that their level of awareness in the United States is a bit higher right now. And certainly some of that is especially with race and gender. But expanding beyond race and gender, we've had conversations at the federal level when we look at something like the Success Act. Which calls out veterans and which calls out people with different socioeconomic statuses as well, so I would say that at least the discussion is being had at a different level in the United States compared to other countries, and that we acknowledge that the discussion needs to be had, and we acknowledge that that disparity that we see that Tom mentioned in his article and that Angie and Natalie said actually is a fact of our lives. I think that in terms of how it's being handled, however, is still nascent, and it's still something that we're trying to find the best way. One of the things that I've seen us doing in more and more tech transfer offices across the country is just bringing awareness to our hiring practices and to our engagement strategies with our innovators. One of those, for example, is that we see more and more boot camps that are being created for just women entrepreneurs or for just people who are black or for just students who are coming from community colleges or other socioeconomically disenfranchised areas. So I think by acknowledging these opportunities, it gives us a chance to have the conversation. I also think that while I wouldn't say that the U.S. is doing a better job, I think that we are trying to do a more uh, deep dive and trying to raise that awareness. And, and one of those things that we're doing is starting to have the conversation on blogs and on websites and really making it a part of everybody's lives. So, for example, Women in Bio with a great group. That really encourages women who are both in the research sector and as well as in the tech transfer and entrepreneurial sectors to have the conversations and to create those mentorship opportunities. Since we know that mentorship, that see me, be me type of attitude, is absolutely critical to success.
1: So, Megan, what is the tech transfer sector doing in the US to address these issues of diversity, equity, and inclusion?
5: So, I think that there are Different things, as I mentioned. So, one of them is at the federal level with law. The Success Act was passed, and we see the IDEA Act also being discussed right now. And what these do is that they really enable the federal government down to have these conversations, to pull these demographics, and to make sure that people are held accountable to keeping more equity within what they're doing when it comes to filing patents or when it comes to giving grants to groups. So, Having that accountability and that awareness is one of the ways that the U.S. is really focusing. And then in the tech transfer specifically, one of the things that we've started doing is through the Autumn Group, which is the Association of University Technology Managers, formerly known, is to account for women innovators, looking at how many have disclosed and how many are on patents that we're filing. And bringing that number and awareness to the population to have that conversation and ask people, if you're not accounting for this, why not? What can we do to help you get through the barriers so that you are better able to look at the issues and address the issues? Another thing that we're doing is having open discussions and how we can reduce some of these other barriers that we see innovators facing. So when we all went to virtual working over the last year, that's a barrier. But in some ways, it's also been an opportunity So for women who can't get childcare, Maybe they can at least listen in on a call or for someone who's not able to drive to a new location. They can virtually come in and participate in a boot camp with new people. So one of the ways that we're trying to do this is by taking advantage of the technology. Another thing that we're doing is we're starting to have conversations within our offices. So, for example, at the industry level, companies are starting to focus on ways that they can bring in new teams and to have multidisciplinary approaches that allow for new voices to be heard. And in the academic sector, we're looking at ways that we can broaden our outreach into populations that have historically not been included in the conversation. So I would say the main thing that we're doing is just bringing more people to the table and having an opportunity for more voices to be heard.
1: So, Megan, what do you think the tech transfer sector in the U.S. is doing well in terms of EDI? And where do you think it's struggling?
5: As I mentioned, I think the best thing that it's doing is having that conversation and bringing that awareness However, I think that we struggle with what to do next. We know there's a problem. We've acknowledged that there's a problem, but we're just not quite sure how to fix the problem. And a lot of times people feel they guilt, but they don't really quite see the solution. And so they bury it because they're not sure how to best address it. So I would say that the best thing that we can do to reduce this struggle is to bring in more education, bring in more resources, bring in more connectivity. And within not just our own offices, but creating networks across all of the globe, to give that opportunity to have those conversations. As an example, I work with Kentucky Commercialization Ventures, and we have partnerships with all of the tech transfer offices in the state. And we're also having conversations that will affect not just the way that we work, But the way that the entire Commonwealth of Kentucky will be affected, so that we aren't just working in a vacuum. And instead, we're trying to address these issues and find ways to make it easier for people to engage through having a network of opportunities.
1: Natalie, did you have something you wanted to add to what Megan just said?
3: Yes, please. So, uh, Megan's point in regards to the different initiatives in the US to uh, Address the issue of equality, diversity, and inclusion really resonated with me, and it makes me recall some of the activities in the UK in relation to uh, different universities have a number of programs looking to champion uh, particular uh, groups, for example, I know that University College of London have a, a specific scheme that looks at racial inclusion in relation to research. there's a number of funding programs and activities, the work of the the Rename Trust in looking at racial inclusion and equity. I think the difference between the US and the UK in terms of my personal experience is the openness of the conversation about racial uh, inclusion specifically. I think in, in America, it, it tends to be more acknowledged that there is a, a, a an issue or a conversation to be had. In the UK, it's taken more of a broad sector approach or broad... Societal approach. The conversations tend to be smaller, I think, um, amongst individual organizations or amongst particular groups.
1: I'd like to turn to Almisha now and and ask you, Almisha. You're a tech transfer office of one person. How have you handled EDI issues?
0: Thanks for that question, Lisa. It's, it's a very good question. Um, I'll be very transparent. Um, having been in tech transfer for over ten years as a one person office. I didn't consider EDI issues, um, especially since that I work at a historically Black college and university or what one would call a minority-serving institution. So of course we have diverse population and so I didn't even consider it. But after engaging with Adam and having those type of conversations, I realized that it may be in the practices. It may be um, things that we are doing. For example, one of the conversations that came up Um, in one of the women inventors group is that are we having students a part of the discussion when they're co-inventors on a patent? Um, Typically, we would have the faculty lead um, in those discussions and have them talk to the students. But as I began to get more immersed in equity, diversity, and inclusion and understanding some of the barriers, I realized that we were having barriers because we were excluding some people who should be at the table not deliberately, but because we were not conscious that these are things that we should be doing. So that awareness came in, you know, quite some time later. But the other part of that is that we always try to make sure from ve- from the very beginning, make sure that women are included because we realize the disparity in, in, in patenting, um, the disparity in, in startups and entrepreneurship and not seeing a lack of women in some of these spaces When you look in comparison with their male counterparts, so we started doing that, especially when it comes to recruitment of them in commercialization programs, to make sure that they were knowledgeable about the process, to make sure that we were available if they had questions about anything when it comes to tech transfer and commercialization. We also looked at um, in our in our community where we here at Jackson State University, the historically Black college and university in Jackson, Mississippi. We also look at, um, at how we collaborate with our Counterparts at the other universities. So we have uh, a strong relationship there with the other tech transfer directors and the other three um, uh, major research universities in Mississippi. And that's how we also started having more conversations around EDI, more conversations around what are we doing in our practices and what are some of the best practices that we can adopt Um, Megan mentioned um, what the University of Kentucky is doing. We have a partnership with the University of Kentucky as well. And so we were able to create um, a program called EnWitch, which is engaging researchers and innovators in commercialization at HBCUs. And this has allowed us to provide technology transfer and commercialization um, programming and workshops and conversations with HBCUs across the country. And so they're now a part of the dialogue. They're now learning this process because many HBCUs do not have technology transfer offices. Jackson State is fortunate to have one for over 10, 11 years now, Um, but very few have. And so that's one of the things that um, we started in order to ensure that we are um, having EDI issues addressed, not just at my university, but as universities that are similar to mine in its makeup and its demographics. Um, Another thing that I think... um, we do in terms of handling edi issues is making sure that our policy is is um is adopted and used the way it should be done so that we're not giving preferences to particular faculty right and so we we, we don't want to hear conversations about um faculty x receive x amount in royalties versus you know in terms of percentage Versus another faculty using the same technologies, whether it's female, whether it's a male um, or a student, we want to make sure that we are consistent in our practices. Um, So there's still a lot of work to be done. And um, I think having conversations and being a part of groups like Autumn EDI and Women Inventors SIG and a part of this um, illustrious group will help us um, move the needle in that direction.
1: Amisha, how did you even figure out where to even start?
0: Um, A good start um, for us. um, I remember when the JSU Advanced Program funded by the National Science Foundation was considering EDI, and they were looking at EDI in the fact of um, female faculty not making the ranks of full professorship or even into administration. And so they want to have um, an implicit bias think tank. And I happen to be a part of that process. But then I start looking at the conversation from a tech transfer perspective then and looking at how can we do some things differently or how can we make faculty, especially the women faculty at that time, feel that they are part of the process and that we are open to them and, and welcoming in our practices and in the things that we do. Um, the other part was that um, joining um, the EDI over a year ago for Adam, was really a huge eye-opener for me, working on the leadership of Megan. Um, we were able to do a number of things um, to move the needle in, in terms of EDI and having um, the access to people from different backgrounds that I would not see day to day here on the campus has always uh, has opened that up. And I think the big fa- the big thing is that as Natalie mentioned, is the openness, is the, the 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 willingness to have those conversations and without any type of judgment, any type of judgment whatsoever when it comes to those type of dialogues. And um, but yes, so that that's something great um, that I got started with. I think the um the women inventors toolkit was a great place for me um, to look at some of the things that we can do better here and how we can incorporate some of that in our practices.
1: So Megan, do you have something you wanted to add to what Almisha just said?
5: Yes, thanks Lisa. I just wanted to share a little bit more about this EDI committee that Almisha mentioned. And I'll talk a little bit more about some of the resources that Artem has over the last year. But I think it's important to note that the creation of a diversity and inclusion committee or an equity diversity inclusion committee It's a really important step forward that we're seeing a lot more of in the United States. And that's a big key to having the conversation is welcoming the conversation in the first place. So giving people a safe place that they can talk about and they can learn from each other. And I think that that's a key component of working with EDI spaces, both within the tech transfer profession and elsewhere, is having opportunities for people to have conversations and to learn from others about what they don't know so that they can help to promote those practices elsewhere. And whether it be with Autumn's EDI committee or with the Diversity and Inclusion Employee Resource Group or with any of the myriad of other opportunities, I want to just encourage all of our listeners to get engaged. And to start having those network conversations that Almisha and I mentioned, because that's really key to learning and to growing your own perspective so that you can continue to help other people.
1: Now, turning back to you,
0: Almisha, I wanted to ask what resources
1: have you relied on?
5: I think one
0: of the biggest resources I would say that I've relied on is networking with people and having those frequent dialogues about EDI and being open-minded. Um, when we go into EDI sometimes, we, I always ask people, how do you define um, diversity? What does it mean to you? Because it may not mean the same thing to everyone else. Um, I remember reviewing a proposal and when they talk about diversity, they really wasn't talking about the diversity in terms of how I would, um, talking about inclusion, making sure that we have a diverse population, make sure that we have people from different backgrounds, Sex, race, color, greed, everything that I think of it as—they thought of it in one very aspect. So once you understand with what people um, how they define diversity, how they define um, inclusion, I think equity should should be understood as, as to what it is. Um, but having those dialogues and being open-minded, so you may not always be around the same um, type of people that you're accustomed to, but being open-minded enough to cross the aisle or cross the the room and talk to someone else. A big thing that I realized when I, I first came to Adam was that I would go to the conferences and immediately, if you find that one person of color that you identify with, you gravitate towards that person, you sit next to them, but you're missing out on the diversity of autumn. You're missing out from having conversation with people from different backgrounds. And so you realize no longer can you just sit at the table with someone that you know or someone that looks like you, but you move across to other tables and get to know other people. Um, without us doing that and without us having conversations and being honest about what we know and what we don't know and to correct any misunderstanding in what we don't know, um, we're going to still have a problem. So that's that's a, the that's a starting round. Dialogue, often open and honest.
1: Natalie, did you have something you wanted to add to what Elmisha just said? Yes, thank you. So I I think Amisha makes a really, really good point in regards
3: to the dialogue and being important and resources that I found particularly useful and something that kind of opened my eyes this year in terms of 2021 is the use of social media in helping my own understanding and also encouraging others to open their minds. So Tom's article that was on LinkedIn and on his web pages, you know, really opened a lot of people's eyes. And I think it was really important in terms of Understanding representation on boards and the decision bodies that, in the end, make the decisions about who gets funded and when, and the, the the growth and the development of companies and our activities and what we do in terms of our bread and butter, which is technology transfer and developing those research and technology opportunities and products. I think we shouldn't underestimate the the impact of that in terms of social media. And and one of the key things that I've actually picked up this year was the use of the terminology overrepresentation. So when we look at diversity, equality, equity, and inclusion issues, you know, perhaps we should be looking at the over-representation of particular groups in an area rather than the underrepresentation. Um, that sort of change in language kind of just changed my mindset somewhat. I think maybe it's something we should look at in terms of
1: technology transfer as a, a sector and a community great point thank you and given that i wanted to turn back to tom for a second and circle back again to your article and ask you what was the reaction to it
2: yeah sure um i'm really enjoying this conversation by the way and i think one of the the themes coming out from the comparisons with the the us and the uk and what we know elsewhere around the world i think is this point about the openness of the conversation and you know in the UK there are conversations there's there are conversations about this issue but they're fairly muted they're fairly unconnected I think sometimes possibly a little embarrassed Um, and I hear things about you sort of unconscious bias training being spread across an organization or data and reports being collected but it's it the conversation in the uk hasn't opened up and i know in other european countries it certainly hasn't opened up um and in a way that that leads into the uh, your question what was the reaction to the to the article on on linkedin um and i'd make three comments um one was that the, the reaction was small um, so not many uh comments and um not many, you know, you get likes and you get post views and all of this sort of thing. Um, and there quite simply weren't that many. And I think this touches to the the discomfort um, and the fact the conversation isn't open yet. Um, the, the second thing I, I'd say is that, you know, some of the comments, you know, all of which were very welcome, um, but some sort of hinted at a, at a slight defensiveness, and I think that's also a big part of the conversation here in in the u k and and that defensiveness can come across in in different ways but it you know to sort of to summarize it's um it's in the too difficult pile you know this is this is huge it's broad it's challenging it's not for us it's a bigger societal issue there's lots of different types et cetera et cetera so in other words you know we're sort of we're on it. But we're not really because it's too difficult. So a sort of defensiveness. Um, but then the third comment I'd make is, is altogether far more positive and encouraging, which is that there were some very good supportive uh comments. Um and you know, I think gratitude and and thanks for for having done it and and for starting to um you know, in a very small way but just starting to, to open some of these issues up in the context of technology transfer which of course sort of spills over into universities science and and research funding
1: well given that reaction Tom what did you do next
2: so um, one of the really supportive comments was from Angie so I contacted Angie and you know we had a conversation and um, I you know that led to other conversations I was you know put in touch with um colleagues in the US I was put in touch with Almisha um I was put in touch with you Lisa as as, as you know uh put in touch with with Megan um and you know back over here through a great conversation with a, a colleague put in touch with Natalie um and you know we've we've started having these conversations you know amongst ourselves amongst uh, this group um and this has led to something which i think is is really exciting um one of the conversations we had one of the uh, the calls we were talking about um ourselves as a group of people and we sort of wondered what are we <laughs> who are we what are we and and we worked out that that we've become something that we've labeled um, get it uh, as in global uh, equality diversity and inclusion in technology transfer so G-E-D-I-T-T, um, global equality uh, diversity and inclusion in technology transfer and you know we're we're a group of people who are uh, trying to work out ways that that we can help. Um, and, you know, we'll come on to talk about this in, in, in a few minutes, but, um, you know, that's, that's where we've got to so far is, is a recognition of the need to open up the conversation, um, creating, get it, um, and, Initially uh focusing on uh issues of, of race and gender, because of course, as 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 we know, you know, equality, diversity, and inclusion are very broad issues in sort of every dimension you can think of. Um, but our initial focus is on race and gender.
1: So, Angie, do you want to talk a little bit about who get it actually is? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm really
4: enjoying this discussion as well. Um But basically, we are a global community of individuals on the technology transfer. That's a mix of university, government, law firms, charities, and we are collectively working to promote equality, diversity and inclusion in technology transfer. And that's across the globe. One thing that we would like to also stress as GEDIC, is that we are not an exclusive club and we are open to anyone who wishes to address any issues, wants to have dialogue, wants to understand resources or apply resources, because there are quite a few from other sectors that can be applied to the technology transfer space, to, to really ensure that there is equality diversity and inclusion within their institutions or actually within their activities. But we want to also be open to anyone at all levels within technology transfer. So this isn't a conversation for those who are advanced in their careers. It could be someone who is just entering the sector. But it's really where basically we're open to everyone. We will help everyone And we will also um, try and direct them to whatever they, they need to have. But let's have open conversation, transparency, and address the
1: issue. So, Megan, would you like to add to what Angie just said? Yes,
5: thank you, Lisa. And Angie, I think that was a beautiful way to describe it. And one of the things I just want to emphasize is that this is not an expense either. This is not something that you have to ask your supervisor to pay for. This is something that is available at the time that you can do it for free. We're not asking you to uh, have some kind of a membership fee or for your entire company to have to join for you to engage. This is just a personal conversation that everybody can be part of.
0: Um, Almisha, do you want to talk a little bit about the purpose of Get It? Absolutely Lisa, like um as everyone before me said, this is very exciting because we were having these conversations with you know and didn't even think beyond just having that dialogue and being open and, and learning from each other and, and all of us in our, our different capacities have, have different experiences and we bring different things um to the table. But get it is really um poised to be a leader facilitating tech transfer offices, patent offices, law firms, corporations, and it could be individuals who want to understand um, how to learn um, and collaborate and try and find solutions to EDI issues globally. Um, Because as we know, that different places um, experience EDI differently and The openness about the discussion is also at different levels in in different places across the globe. So, of course, right now, um, we we don't want to just focus on the U.S. and U.K. I know we are represented here, but we want the focus to expand beyond um, these two um, regions and go globally so that we can have the intended impact of get it. I believe that we can achieve that as we have more people participating in the dialogue, as we share more resources, as we um, have these type of um, conversations that we're having right now, and that um, we are open, as Angie said earlier, we're not exclusive group. We're open for all sorts of people who want to impact EDI issues. Tom, do you want to tell us a little bit about
1: some of the goals and next steps for Get It?
2: Yes, sure. Um, and, you know, the, the theme of calls to action. And I think a, a single word to use would, would be engage. And Megan used that word uh, earlier. Um, I think it's, you know, we, we invite everybody to engage with get it and, and get it will um, uh develop a, a range of resources and links and access to toolkits and um uh, you know references from role models um and uh you know, podcasts like this and and as much material as we can bring to access through the get it website as as possible and you know recognize that get it is is many things. I, mean, I think it's a forum, it's a network, it's a community, um, and it is uh, open and and freely available. Um, and I think, you know, en- engage with Get It, but also engage with the issues yourselves. And Get It will help you, we hope, will help you engage with the issues insofar as you, you, you need help or want help. Um, and what are we talking about? We're talking about you know, helping improve equality, diversity, and inclusion in technology transfer, and you know, a, a bro- as broad a definition of technology transfer as as, as you can imagine. And I think there, you know, there are ways one can look at this in terms of yeah, pro- providing lots of connections and and access to resources, providing thoughts on sources of data that may help. Um, Approaches to data collection that may help, but also thinking about it in terms of, of sort of inputs for you know your people, whoever you are listening to this. Um, you know what's going on in your organization with your people, and get um, it can hopefully help improve uh, EDI in 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 your. Area, but also let's think about about outputs. And you know, one of the wonderful things about technology transfer is that we're transferring knowledge, knowledge and technologies from universities and research institutes out uh, into society. And let's think about, as technology transfer professionals, um, what are we doing to improve diversity and inclusion? Uh, as I said, with this initial. on on race and gender. What are we actually doing to improve this out there? And do we have stories of how technologies and knowledge that we've transferred and exchanged have benefited groups, uh, underrepresented groups, uh, groups where levels of uh, diversity and inclusion are low? You know, let's think not just what sort of tech transfer can do Within the community, do for ourselves. But what, you know, let's remember why we exist. We exist to transfer this stuff out to benefit society. So, so let's think about racial diversity and inclusion, gender diversity and inclusion, and and think how can as tech transfer people, how can we benefit the world out there as well? And I think that's you know that's where it begins to get really exciting. Um, So get it will will provide many resources but hopefully will as we've all been saying open the conversation um but also help the conversation expand um to how tech transfer can really help and so the the call to action in a in a single word is engage in the uh, in, in in the ways that i've described
1: well I think Get It is an amazing opportunity to connect those in the tech transfer sector to those who want to collaborate and try and find solutions to these EDI issues that we've been talking about. Megan, for those of our listeners who are Autumn members, where can they go to obtain more information about Autumn's efforts
5: on EDI? Lisa, that's a great question. And the first place they can go is in Autumn's mission statement, and specifically Autumn's EDI statement. We also recommend that our audit members get involved. So a great starting point, as you've heard from our Misha throughout this podcast, is the Women's Inventor SIG. And this group of people has been around fighting for women's rights and tech transfer for more than 10 years now. Another area that you can go if you're interested in going beyond just gender is the Diversity and Inclusion SIG. And a SIG is a special interest group of people who are like-minded and have a passion to move forward within that area. I'm also happy to have conversations with anybody who's interested in EDI and how to bring that across to other groups. Within the EDI committee, one of our goals is to develop a toolkit to help people, to guide them within these conversations, no matter what area of interest they're in. And finally, I would say, get involved. Put together panels and pitch them at the meetings. Bring up these conversations within whatever group that you want to engage with. Let the board of directors know what your thoughts are. Talk to your groups about how you can sponsor things. The University of New Hampshire, for example, as past Chair Mark Saddam likes to say, is sponsoring a nursing room in the annual meeting in 2022. So think about ways that you can include and make a more inclusive environment. With the people around you. Have these conversations and as Tom said, get engaged, not just with the autumn level, but with everybody in and out of the tech transfer profession.
1: Almisha, um, for those of our listeners who may be part of a single office, a small office, or a minority serving institution,
0: where do you recommend they go
1: to obtain more information and or assistance on EDI?
0: Um, I would do some of the same things that Megan mentioned, um, which is the same resources I use as a small office SIG. First of all, join Autumn, join the small office SIG. Um there's a, a, a lot of resources there, but also the um Autumn EDI SIG is also available. For folks to join and to learn about some of the things we're doing, um, with the group is currently working on a toolkit on EDI, so that will be a resource that would be available. I mentioned the Women Inventor SIG and Megan did as well, but a lot of information in there that not only um, for the large offices, but things that the small office can also adopt. I've been privy and I'm very privileged to be able to use some of these resources here on my own campus, and that's what I would recommend to others. Of course, you can always reach out to any one of us. Um, even here at my university, I get calls sometimes from different people about some of the practices that we're we're doing here on our campus. How can they do some of these things, um, adopt some of these things on their campuses. And I always say to them, I got most of my information from Autumn, but I'm willing to share and I'm willing to provide them access. But definitely that's one of the places that they can go to. Um, one of the things that the Autumn EDI committee in in collaboration with the, with the Autumn board has done is create um, an emerging um, program for HBCUs. So that um, folks from HBCUs, I think we did about 25, and Megan can can correct me because she's uniquely involved in that as well. But we're inviting um, these HBCUs to be a part of the program um, so that they can um, have access to the resources in autumn for at least two years for three members of the institution. And so this is something that we started rolling out and we see another a lot of um, different HBCUs are uh, putting their hands up to get this access, because this is something that they really needed. And I think this will impact the institution greatly, especially from an EDI perspective.
1: Megan, do you have some additional thoughts on this point you wanted to share?
5: Yeah, and thank you, Amisha, for bringing up our Emoji Members program. It's something we're so excited about. And I want to just clarify that it's not just HBCUs or even MSIs. But we're looking at working with emerging institutions across the United States as a starting point to help those who are more interested in engaging with commercialization and technology transfer. And so we are starting our pilot program this year, but we're also open to having that continued conversation. So if you're part of an institution that doesn't yet have a tech transfer office, but you want to find out how you can start one. Or you're part of an institution that's more established like Jackson State University and Almesa, but you want to find out ways that you can grow your network and increase the opportunities. We invite you from any spectrum to come and talk with us to see how Autumn can provide you those opportunities to engage and increase your network.
1: Now, Angie and Natalie, for those of our listeners who may be from the UK or perhaps one of our other global participants, where can they go to obtain more information on EDI?
4: Um, I, I echo everything that's been said before because all those resources can be accessed. In the UK, I think the important thing is within your institution or wherever you are, don't be afraid to ask the question. I think, you know, we can access other resources and bring them in, but also it's important that you you raise the flag, you you ask the question, you open the conversation. To bring other resources, get it. We are trying to... Really make it easier to to actually access all of these and bring it together, so that you can, when you do get the resources externally, you can um, implement them and modify them so they fit within your establishment. There are also other initiatives, for example, EDIS, which is is EDI in science and health. That is another network that has resources available. Imperial and UCL both have active departments that have some resources for researchers, but um. I I would say that ask the question if if you can't find it. And it is overwhelming sometimes, particularly when we're talking about understanding the space and then really trying to find out how you can fix it. Ask the question. and, And there's a lot of help out there.
3: Thank you, Angie, for raising that. I think it's really important for people to be part of the conversation. If you don't ask the question, how would anybody know? So there are a number of initiatives happening across the National Funding Body for UK Research and Innovation, uh, where I'm based and where I work with the Engineering and Physical Sciences Research Council and other funding councils. Um, Research England within itself has a funding opportunity to look specifically at increasing uh, diversity inclusion of underrepresented groups within postgraduate research with the Office for Students. Uh, the government itself, running the trust organizations that could be looked at. And I just want to encourage everyone to be part of the conversation. Now is the time to talk.
1: Tom, did you have some comments you'd like to add to what Natalie just said?
2: Thank you, Lisa. Yes, I mean, just to reference a couple of other initiatives in the UK. um, So there's a, a higher education group called Advance HE and they have developed an Athena-Swan charter for looking at um, female-male diversity in higher education. Um, And they also have a a race equality charter, which is a standard that universities can um, seek to obtain. Um, Cancer Research UK, I know they've done a lot of good stuff in terms of looking at data, so of sort of Royal Society, et cetera. Um, And I suppose the point, To make two points, really, one is that, you know, Gedit hopes to bring together all of these uh, links and and resources so that people can, you know, quite quickly get an overview of of what is happening. Um, But also the second point to recognise that none of these are specifically active in the technology transfer field. And, you know, that's where... Uh, all of us here, and hopefully all of the listeners, that's why um you know get it is exciting because it's focused on on tech transfer uh, and we know as a community we can we can do great things, so we want to do great things in this area as well.
1: Uh, Megan, did you have something you wanted to add to um what Tom and Natalie just said?
5: Lisa, yeah, and one of the things that we've talked about throughout this podcast is a little bit of focus on on race and gender, as Tom said, but I want to encourage anybody who's interested in learning more to come to the table. Because if you don't see yourself represented, that's why we're here, to help you to have that conversation and help you to find that support that you need to get the representation you deserve. Diversity is a measure of the things that make us unique. It's not a measure of the things that divide us. So we want to be here to bring that cultural ad and to bring that opportunity anyone, anyway.
1: Well, this has been an incredible conversation today. Tom, Angie, Natalie, Elmisha, Megan, I can't thank you enough for all your insights and time on this extremely important topic. It's been an absolute pleasure. If any of our listeners want to reach out and get involved, Tom, can you tell us where they can go?
2: Yes, uh, please visit the Get It website. Um, at getit.com. It's gedit dot com. Um, and also email us at uh, getit. So that's info at getit.com. So info at G-E-D-I-T-T dot com. And we really look forward to hearing from you.
1: Well, thank you all so much again. It's been really fantastic to have this opportunity to talk to each of you.
0: Thank you for listening to Technology Transfer IP. Please visit us online for more resources at techtransferipforum.com. New to Tech Transfer or a seasoned pro? Autumn is the global member organization for Tech Transfer. And is here to help you get connected get smart and get ahead whether you work in academia
5: research government business development corporate engagement or startups autumn is dedicated to supporting you through education advocacy networking
0: and promotion join and you'll receive 20 free live webinars as well as meaningful discounts on meetings and courses insider access to a vast network of colleagues to help you through challenges and align on new technologies and the university decision makers who license them. Membership is open for 2023, join us.